This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are joining us today. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the new podcast, Ready to Run, hosted by Kurt Roser, who is a PT, and Dr. Efren Cabalas. They talk all things injury prevention, and they also talk to professional athletes that they treat in Boulder, Colorado. Great podcast over there. Definitely go check it out. Uh, Today's episode is with Eric Avila. He's an Adidas athlete. He's a U.S. road mile champion. And after several years training with the Golden Coast Track Club under coach Terrence Mahoon, he has recently announced that he is joining the very nice track club that is out of Michigan. He won't be moving to Michigan, though. And that is coached by Ron Warhurst, who you have probably heard about through Nick Willis, who has also been on this podcast. In this episode with Eric, we talk about his road to becoming a professional athlete. It's not super linear, and he had a moment where he walked away from the sport. And I love the story of finding his way back. It is a beautiful story. He's a four-time national champion from Southern Oregon University and a six-time All-American. He also talks about his time at NAU and coming back to school at Southern Oregon University. Loved hearing all about his story. And uh, lastly, we talk a lot about burnout and how to walk through that and overcome it and some experiences he has recently walked through. I think you're going to be inspired and it's very relatable to what everyday runners go through as well. All right, friends, this podcast is supported by Gooder. I know a lot of you are probably already wearing Gooder sunglasses because they're amazing. If you are looking for a pair of functional, fashionable, and affordable sunglasses, look no further than Gooder. All my sunglasses are from Gooder. And one of my favorite things about them is that they they don't break very easily at all. I mean, I just throw these things around in all my bags and they're always in one piece. They have really fun colors and styles and they have really classic styles as well. And uh, we actually give away a pair of Gooder sunglasses every single month for new ratings and reviews that come through. And guess what? It's the first of the month. So let me announce the winner from the month of February. Okay, here it is. Oh, I love this. Carol runs 1010. I really like the variety of topics and guests Lindsay has on her show. I always look forward to it on Friday mornings. The series she did on nutrition was really helpful and I've been asking for some older runners and she listened two in a row. Thanks, Lindsay. Okay, Carol. Thank you for leaving that review. And yes, I do listen. Anytime you all give me suggestions on our Facebook group, which is all have another podcast with Lindsay Hine, or you message me on Instagram, whatever it is, however you reach out, we try to take every suggestion into consideration. So um, you can always email me, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com or my assistant, Emma, emma at sandyboyproductions.com. We love hearing from you all. And uh, we are so grateful for you. So Carol, Send me an email because you won the pair of Gooder sunglasses from February. Don't be left out, friends. Go leave a rating interview on iTunes and you're entered to win for March. All right. Please enjoy my conversation with Eric. 
All right. Well, today on I'll Have Another, we have Eric Avila on the show. Welcome to the show, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me, Lindsay. Stoked. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I saw that you have recently announced you're going to be moving training groups. And uh, we were talking beforehand. I was feeling a little bit crazy because I thought I saw it somewhere and then I couldn't find it. But you've confirmed it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I, I probably uh, should have made some parts of a public post, but they're, uh, yeah, the very nice track clubs out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. And they made a post, um, I want to say it was last month in January, and then Sidious uh, shared it. And so, yeah, yeah, it's official. I'm working with very nice track club and Ron Warhurst. Uh, that's where I saw it. Very nice track or uh, Sidious. I saw it in passing on Twitter. See, that's the problem with Twitter. Nothing stayed on Instagram. You can kind of like find the box on Twitter. It's like, there and gone and you tweet so much that it's hard to find uh yeah totally no that makes sense um okay is ron did he have anything to do with nick willis uh he had everything to do with nick willis okay. yeah yeah <laughs> i was like when you said that name i was like i think and i haven't interviewed nick willis in years probably like three years or so but when okay. you said that name i immediately thought nick willis nick willis and then michigan uh -huh. obviously yeah, I mean, it, Nick Willis and Ronnie are kind of synonymous with each other. I mean, I think Nick's 20-year professional career, which is crazy, uh, was he was with Ron the whole time. The other reason why people know Ron is, well, there's lots of reasons, but is uh, Ron used to coach Alan Webb when Alan first came out of high school. So that okay. was like the big, he was the coach that Alan Webb went to. So that's like a, another cool like feather in Ron's hat. Oh, know. wow. Okay. So will you be working with Nick at all too? Is he, does he do stuff with him now? Uh, I mean, he's kind of transitioned. Uh, he just had his third kid, but he's around. And I, I mean, I just talked to him the other day, he's around, but as far as running goes, not so much. I don't know how much running he's doing. He's kind of in charge of the women's team, the women's side more so, but he's, I mean, he's in all our group chats. He's chiming in left and right. And then whenever we have, you know, pep talks before races, uh, well, it's been a short like few months with the team, but, but he's included and in, in he chimes in and yeah, so he's relevant, but he's like also got a full-time job with Tracksmith and doing yeah. something and three yeah. kids and wife. So uh, kind of cool though, with all of this to have like the access to tap into someone like Nick, who has been so brilliant in the distance that you run and also just yeah. the longevity of someone like Nick's career to be able to like, and we're going to talk about this because we talked about burnout a little bit before the conversation, like sure. to tap into that knowledge and experience of like, how do I keep pursuing this at such a high level without burning out? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, actually that's one of the, the, uh, attractive bits was to like Ron and to this group was the fact that like he led Nick to, you know, such a good career in his thirties. Mm -hmm. And, and then there's another name, Paul McMullen. I don't know if you know that name. But he was uh, he was an amazing runner from Michigan and, and he all his best times were like in his mid 30s. And so I was looking at at the groups and other options. And um, but Ron just has so much success with guys like in the, later in their career, helping manage that. And so that was probably one of the most attractive bits. But yeah, Nick was a huge part of that. So. OK, very nice track club. Has it been yeah. has, has like the name of that and like has that been around I know Ron's been around forever, obviously, but like, uh, is very yeah. nice a new thing or has that been around for a while? I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm like the right person to answer this, but I'll tell you what I know. <laughs> yeah. Tell me what you know. <laughs> like there's probably more to it than what I'm going to say, but I, as far as I know, Nick is like the OG 
I'm pretty sure it started. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it started like when Nick graduated and he wanted to create a, from Michigan and he wanted to create like a training group in Ann Arbor where he was. So Nick kind of recruited runners and guys and then somewhere around there, they didn't have a name. And Ron was, I could be butchering this, but I'm, I'm sure Ron was like having some beers and was like, Hey, we're just the very nice guys. We're just very nice guys. And, <laughs> and then from there, it kind of, uh, it became synonymous. Cause then I know we were joking that like this team that we're training with now, all the guys were like the third generation and we were going back on like who the first and second generation. Cause it goes in like waves of Olympic cycles, kind of yeah, four to eight years kind of depending on the guys and then everyone has to grow up at some point um <laughs> so we were going through like the the chapters of like oh that was when lee emmanuel used to be on this team or that was when will lear used to be with the group or, or whatever and like um uh, but yeah as far as the starting point i think it's around nick's graduation so about 20 years <laughs> oh i love you mentioning the different cycles will lear yeah and actually when i was prepping for this i was like he was born in 1989 yes he's still the 80s <laughs> Yeah, I feel like so many. Yeah, I feel like so many. No, it's not many. It's like me and Centro, and me and Centro, <laughs> and Yevon Yeager, and we're out there, and we're like, oh man, we're like the last. We're the old guys weird. now. What? We are the old guys, but it's weird. Yeah, it's funny. So when I research guests, and it's like 1997, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm old. Um, <laughs> no, so I love, lies. I love the the 89. I love that. That I know you're very close though. I noticed it was October. You're very close yeah, to being a 90s yeah. kid. Um, <laughs> uh, but I also was excited. I, mean, I don't remember much of the 80s, so I don't know. <laughs> you, the three months you existed in them. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also very much got excited when I read your story and that it wasn't this like very linear path and, um, there was a little bit of like drama and straying away from running <laughs> for a little bit. Cause oftentimes yeah. when I interview these like younger athletes that are pretty fresh out of college, it's just like, okay, we went to college, we ran, you know what I mean? It's like, there's not much more to it. So when I read that you had some paths that moved in different directions, I was like, yes, there's some like exciting stuff here <laughs> that we get to dive into. Yeah, no, yeah, that's true. Um, So to give everybody your history, you were a standout runner in high school, but you like didn't run a lot in high school. You were just kind of leaning on your talent a little bit. Why don't we start there? Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, that's, that's a good way to start. Um, I loved soccer and I was like, uh, I played soccer growing up and I was a boy scout. So I was always camping and I was in like a surf club cause I grew up in San Diego. And so I was doing all those things and then um, running kind of happened because of like PE as everyone runs the mile in PE here in America. And, and um, yeah. And then I was fast in PE and then the teacher was like, Hey, you should go out for the track team or cross country. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. Like, you know, does, does it conflict with soccer season? And they're mm -hmm. like, no, 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 it doesn't. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll run to like stay in shape for soccer, I guess. And some of my friends I grew up with were like, yeah, we're going to run across country. Like come do it with us. I was like, okay. And then uh, realized that I was like pretty good at it. I hated it though. Like I hated mm. the training. Like I loved racing. So I would kind of just show up to like workouts and race days and like <laughs> the rest of the time. And I wouldn't like, I wouldn't really run. It wasn't until like my junior, maybe senior year of high school where I was like, okay, maybe I should actually go and do like the easy runs on the other days. But the other days I remember my first two years of high school. Um, yeah. Like I did not enjoy, they'd be like, go for a five mile run. I was like, ah. And I remember <laughs> some of my friends, we would jog to like the Starbucks across the street and we would go in the Starbucks and like sit down and, <laughs> and then like when we'd see 
the other kids coming back, we'd, we'd like join them. We'd like run out of Starbucks, join them and pretend we just ran five miles when we just ran like, I don't know, maybe 400 yards <laughs> to the Starbucks. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then senior year, I remember when I started realizing like, oh, I can get to college through this. And then I like had quit soccer and like committed myself to running because I realized that I was, there was some talent there. And then, yeah, my, I think it was my junior year. I just missed state. I didn't make state in California. I didn't make the state meet till my senior year because I kept just missing it. And then I realized like, well, if I want to make state, I probably should commit myself to this. And then so my senior year going into high school, I actually ran that summer. I think I ran like 40 miles a week or something. But to me, it was like, I'm running over a marathon a week, which to a kid's brain was like, that's so much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it seems like a lot for high school. And I think. Yeah. I mean, I thought so. I still hear what kids do now. I'm like, what? But uh, yeah, it's it's so funny. And then once you started racing, I remember it would, we dropped down to like 25 miles a week or something, and, which was good. It was enough to like show some sort of progress. And then uh, I had a really good senior year. Um, I, I still remember like I never made Foot Locker, which back then like Nike mm. Cross Nationals didn't really exist or it, it was Nike Teen Nationals back then. Um, but it wasn't like what it is now, you know, and my senior year of high school, I got ninth at the West regional. And back then it was top eight. So I was the oh. first one out. And like that stung so bad at uh-huh. the time. I was like, oh, I suck. I just put all this time into this. Um, and, but now I look at like who made the team and like Jared Ward was on that squad in front of me. And I was like, oh, he's good. Like, he's like now I'm like, oh, he's like whatever at the Olympics, like sixth or fifth or something. Um, like Centro was there and Jaeger was there. And it's all these names that I'll end up crossing paths with for years, which is pretty funny. But yeah, I, I didn't make it. But uh, uh, fast forward a few months, I did end up winning the state meet, which was a huge like, I, I like, okay, yeah, like I can do this. And then it got the eyes of a lot of schools and I ended up going to NAU before. Well, they were good then, but they're really good now. But yeah. Who was the coach then? It was actually John Hayes, who's at Wake Forest right now. And Mike Smith. Mike Smith was the grad student. Or the oh, grad he was there back then. Okay. Yeah, wow. He was there. And then... um the like two weeks before or maybe a month before I can't remember it's kind of hazy now um before I showed up to go to school I got a phone call from Hayes and he was like hey uh I like I regret this but I have to tell you that I um I'm leaving NAU and I was uh-huh. like oh what and he's like yeah I'm going to Air Force and so he told me all that and he was like yeah if you want to come to Air Force like I can help you get in I was like I don't want to go to Air Force <laughs> and he's like okay well yeah like you know there's this other guy coming in like don't worry you'll be fine and etc and then it was Eric Hines Eric Hines ended up taking over um and so yeah and I went and I remember just like a deer in the headlights uh it was a huge shock when I first got there and everyone was committed to running and I still wasn't really mm-hmm. like I was just relying on my talent and I I know if you ask some of the old athletes that would have been there at the time, I started, I remember I would just show up to workouts and the race days. And like the other days, if a friend didn't come get me to like take me out for like an easy run, I just like wouldn't go run because I didn't enjoy it. Not to the capacity that they did at that time. So I find it so interesting that you can run at such a high level and like, it seems like it took a lot of years of training your brain and your body and maturity to like learn to love that part of running, which is such an essential part, like that just chunky base work that you have to do to do the, to be good at the fast stuff ultimately. Like, how did you end up getting there? Yeah. I mean, like maturity was probably the thing that needed to happen. I mean, uh, I remember there was guys that I, I thought like I was really, I'm really competitive and that's, that helps at this sport, you know? And I remember that's why I enjoyed the workouts because I, 
kind of treated them like races, except <laughs> I wasn't very fit because I wasn't doing these like other runs. And I remember the coach Heinz at the time was like, oh yeah, go for like an eight to 10 mile run. And I was like eight to 10 miles. Like that's the longest run of my life. Yeah. And I was used to doing like four to five every day, if that, or not even doing that. And so I remember in workouts, my first year at NAU, uh, I could only hang on for like half or maybe three quarters of the workout. And then I would blow up naturally. And I would get frustrated. And I was like, this sucks. Like, I don't like this. This is not fun. <laughs> but also it's the typical, like, you know, young guy or, or girl who's like the top where they're coming from. And, and now it's like, oh, you have to work for it. It's not just like, you're not just going to like, you know, crush everyone without even trying. And so I think that was like hard for me. To, I'm like, oh yeah, I was really young. It's like, I must've been 17, uh, my freshman year. Oh And wow. like, again, like I said, like I didn't love running. Like I did it cause I was good at it, but I didn't actually like it. I, I don't know if that makes sense. I just wanted to be a college kid. Like I remember when I got to college, I wasn't thinking about Olympics or anything or being pro. I wanted to, it's going to sound so dumb. Like I was excited to have a girlfriend. I was excited to like go camping and like I wanted to just play video games with my friends and all that stuff and I did not want to go to school and so that's also probably all the issues there I just remember I was like a big summer camp is what it felt like mm. and if you do that long enough like yeah that the schools you can't do that and so eventually NAU kindly asked me to uh to leave <laughs> <laughs> and I was like yeah it's probably it's probably a good idea <laughs> probably like, for the best <laughs> I'm not going to class anyway so uh yeah so that was interesting I think about this a lot because I feel like the first year out of high school, well, first of all, you've just spent like your entire childhood going to school. And mm. I just like how many kids are actually ready to go to college, let alone go to college yeah. and compete like that. Because I always thought, man, student athletes in college, like you're, I wanted to go to college for the social aspect too. Like I really, I mean, mm. so when that part of your story really resonated with me, but, um, to be able to like manage like a heavy, like workload, like student wise, and then to excel in running, that's like a lot to ask, especially a 17 year old kid. I'm curious what yeah. you think of people taking like gap years, or you said you were 17, even like I, we always send our yeah. kids to school, like on the older end, like my youngest, mm -hmm. his birthday's in August. And like, mm. he's not going to kindergarten until he's six. Partly, yeah. that's one of the reasons I'm like, I'd rather yeah. send him to college at 19 than 18 just to buy him that extra year of maturity that you get. I mean, I don't know how mm. much it really is, but I, I feel like it a yeah. little bit at least. Oh, 100%. I mean, again, now when I look back, I wish that someone would have been like, hey, take a gap year. Yeah, I knew deep down, like I didn't want to go to school at that time. And that's the thing. It's like the kids have to want to do it or you have to want to do it. Right. If you no one's going to do it for you when you get to college or all this stuff. I mean, the story, my story changes slightly, you know, fast forward a few years where I'm like, oh, now I want to go to school and now I want to like get a degree. And, and at, now it's it changes everything. But when you're 18 or 17 and you're not, you know, it, it's crazy to me that society asks like, okay, what do you want to do the rest of your life at 17 yeah. or 18? They're like, cool, go pay a thousand dollars for a class or, or whatever. And, and commit yourself now for the next five years. And it's, it, it blows my mind a little bit. It's more um, readily like accepted in other countries, especially in Europe to take these like big gap years for 18 to 20 year olds. Um, my mom's from England. And so my mom, <laughs> I don't know, it's funny. Uh, eventually at, when I left NAU, I ended up going to Europe for a little bit. And because my mom was like, right, go, go see your auntie and like, go stay with the family in London and like all this <laughs> stuff. And they just wanted me to go like, explore and 
do that. And I was like, oh, mom, we should have done this last year. Like, yeah. like I probably could have used this. So it's kind of funny, but I'm a big proponent of like, yeah, like start your kid a little later. Like there's no, they have the rest of their life to work. And like, I get it that it feels like there's social pressure, you know, maybe keep, even keeping up with the Joneses with the neighbors and like, well, where's your son going? Where's your daughter going? And you're totally. like, but uh, yeah, it's, this just takes time. And, and uh, again, also the stereotype is that boys mature a little later than girls and i'm like yeah it sounds about right like, yeah it's probably true yeah, yeah. Probably true. but um yeah it's 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 crazy so um okay so tell everybody about um southern oregon university and like your path to getting there and getting back on track with running after sure. taking some time off yeah so i left nau and then that's where the construction thing happened and like, europe travels and all that stuff um and my high school coach uh, owned like a real estate business and a um, like a landscaping company. And so when I kind of bombed out, uh, yeah, they 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 kind of offered. They're like, hey, look, like you know, what are you gonna do? And I was like, I don't want to go to school, you know. Um, and then they said, well, like, do you what do you want to work? Do you want to? I was like, uh, I just kind of wanted to surf and hang out with my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> but then eventually, I was like, yeah, I should probably uh, should probably like get a job or something. <laughs> and they're like, look, I think it's be really good for you. I'm like, sure, okay, whatever. So I start doing it, and it, it's, uh, it's even to this day like hardest work I've ever done in my life. And I was young, which, you know, um, and I remember like I had to be on the construction sites like every morning at 7 a.m. And I'd get off at like 2.30 or 3, which is great because then I would just go like out with my friends and we'd go surf in the afternoon. But after a while, I couldn't because I was so tired. So I'd get up at like 5.30 or 6 and then I would go, sometimes I'd go down to uh, the Home Depot and I would pick up like workers that had come across the border that were looking for work and Sometimes I did that, but not all the time. Or I'd pick up other construction workers that were in the area that he, my boss would tell me like, hey, go scoop up this guy and then go to the construction site. And it was a whole thing. And every day it was just, you're on your hands and knees doing whatever. Like we were stripping, you know, maybe the drywall off. We were doing like pulling up the tiles, ripping out the toilets and replacing them and all this stuff, which was cool to see and do. Uh, and then eventually after about two years, I was like, okay, they want to go back to school, like maybe a year and a half or two, because I, I was excited that I was making money. Cause especially when you're 18 and 19 and you've never made money, you think a hundred dollars is, is a million dollars. And then after a while I was like, this is not like it, you know? And, um, and then my girlfriend and I eventually broke up. And I remember then I was like, well now, now I'm like miserable. <laughs> Cause at the time I was like very comfortable with everything. And, uh, yeah. So then I went back to the community college out here. And there's a, a coach there, his name's Tom Hunt. And he actually, he's on the board of USATF cross country, even today. So he's pretty involved with the sport. And I came to him and I was, um, I was like 175 pounds. And for context at the Olympic trials in 2021, I was 135 pounds. Wow. 130, 138. Uh, so I wasn't like, I was bigger. <laughs> I was like, um, and maybe it was 170, 75. And I remember telling him like, yeah, uh, like I used to run and he goes, oh, I know who you are, Eric. I was like, oh, cause he's the San Diego like guy. And he, I just told him like, yeah, I don't know um, if I want to, you know, run in college, like, but I want to lose this weight and get in shape. Mm -hmm. And like, I remember saying to him, like, I also wanted to like make some friends. And so some of the guys at the community college were in my class and they were like, hey, you should run. And I was like, I don't know, man, like I'm not fast anymore. But then eventually they convinced me to go run. So I ended up uh, joining their like junior college team for ended up only being a few months because I was going to do a whole year at the junior college. And then basically 
the this coach Tom Hunt he put he went he reached out to some colleges for me and he was like hey look like you went to NAU um but you're probably not going to be able to go back to D1 because you ran a race or two for that for you know division one and then you took like two years off so your your NCAA clock had started and he was explaining the whole and I was like oh yeah that's true and since I didn't have like basically a good excuse uh, my clock couldn't stop so if I went back to D1 I would have like maybe a year of eligibility and he's like, but if you went NAIA or Division Two, you can get more eligibility out of it. And I was like, okay. So he reached out to some coaches. And then, yeah, Southern Oregon University was one of them that interested me because when I was in college, everyone wants to go to Oregon. And even myself, I was, you know, just the whole story of Prefontaine and everything was was uh, exciting. So the schools, they contacted me and they're like, hey, we're a small school. You know, we're a couple hours south of Eugene. And, and like that seemed to perk my interest and the coach was like yeah uh if you are interested like we just won the nai cross-country title and i'm like i don't know what that means you know yeah. like, they're a champ they're they're like national champs i guess for the small divisions so i end up going up to to oregon um like a month later to go see these new friends that i just made uh they went to run the u.s junior championship meet because they were all like 19 and i was like i must have been 21 at that point maybe 22 now i was 21 and I go there and then I go see Southern Oregon. And as I'm there, the, the coach is like showing me around and I'm like, wow, this is so beautiful. This is so cool. Like, and then on the spot, he just says, all right, cool. Like, if you want to come here, like come in my office, I'll, uh, we'll write up the scholarship offer. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I remember him passing like the paper across the table and he was like, all right, here's what I'm thinking. Here's the scholarship offer and how it worked. And I looked at him and I said to him, I'm like, you know, I'm like slow. Right. And he goes, <laughs> He goes, yeah, yeah, but you, what'd you do in high school? And he said, like, my, he said my PBs. And I was like, yeah, but that, that guy's like dead. Like that guy's, I don't know if that guy's going to come back again, like that Eric. And he's like, yeah, you'll be fine. And I, and I remember I said to him, I'm like, I just ran a 5K like two weeks before this, when I, before I met him and I barely broke 17. I think I ran like 1645, 1650. And it was all out. Like that's all I had. And he was like, yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. We'll figure it out. And so I go back to San Diego and then I told his community college coach, I'm like, hey, like, this is a great opportunity. Like, even if I don't get to the pinnacle of the sport again, or, 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 you know, this is a four-year university. This is like a degree. And at this point, like I've, I have good grades. I'm going to class and all that stuff. And I just said, like, I think I need to take this. So I took it. And, um, it was a bummer for the, cause the guys I just became really good friends with. Um, ironically, I'm still really good friends with them today. I was actually in one of the guys' weddings last fall. So that's cool that we've been able to keep that, that, uh, connection but then yeah then I up and lifted and moved to Oregon went to Ashland Oregon uh, and that was like the best decision I think I ever made because it was a small community it wasn't as intense as NAU I remember NAU every everyone there on the team wanted to be a pro and at mm. this school I got there and everyone just wanted to have fun and wanted to like basically say that they were a college athlete you know at some point in their life and be like yeah I used to run in college but they weren't like so intense and that seemed to like resonate with me more and then I just slowly year by year got faster and faster and all the weight shed it off and then uh yeah by my senior year I uh I won a bunch of national titles and broke some NAI records and and yeah the rest is history I guess that's so it makes me so curious like what kind of person thrives in like that environment that you were saying where like everybody wants to be a pro and everybody wants to be the best versus like yeah. a sure we all want to be good but like our main priority is having fun with our team i mean i'm sure it, different yeah. personalities need to be in different programs yeah i've talked about this with 
my buddy Craig Engels. And so him and I are pretty good friends. And he has a similar story where he went to NC State. He wasn't focused. He just wanted to have fun. And, you know, I can't speak on as far as like, I, I don't know the NC State team culture, but I'm sure it's pretty competitive. I mean, the women's team is insanely good. And so they all want, you know, those big things. And he went, he transferred and I, I think he transferred or he flunked out or similar to me. He wasn't applying himself, uh -huh. took a little gap. And then he went to Ole Miss and at Ole Miss, it was similar to my experience in Southern Oregon. He's told me like, yeah, we all just had fun. And ironically, when I was in Southern Oregon, I had a mullet as well. It's, I wasn't as viral as Craig, but <laughs> he, he was a couple years after me, but I had a mullet. And then my whole guys team had mullets. We all, um, we all just had fun. I remember, yeah, we would go out a couple times a week and we just had fun. And the idea was like, if we're having fun, we're going to run well. And so, yeah. but then I remember as this, the, um, bar started to raise, then of course we were like, all right, you can go out Saturday night, but like, you have to be at the run on Sunday. And if you're not there, then we're going to, you know, I don't know social peer pressure you yeah. into going and it ended up just being so much fun and um yeah I mean all the school records we we destroyed and I kind of rewrote the whole thing with, at the school and the program and so it was super fun to kind of like be a part of that and I think maybe I had that captain role as well so all of a sudden I knew people were, were the younger guys were like looking up to me or looking at me and so I was like on my shit basically and I I'm proud of that you know so yeah, yeah. that's awesome a quick break to let you know about Prevenex. This is where I get all of my vitamins and supplements and they are clinically effective, proven to help with longevity, performance, and everyday health. They have a wonderful protein powder. They're Nurify Plus, chocolate and vanilla. We use it every day in my house. I use it, my kids use it, we make smoothies with it. It is delicious and it is packed with nutrients. I take their multivitamins and their Joint Health Plus supplement every day. If you have achy joints and you're looking to protect your joints, go check it out. They have a money back guarantee. If you do not see a difference in 90 days, you will get your money back. They believe in their products. I believe in their products. They also have vitamins for your kids that my kids take and they have a give back model. So they donate a bottle of children's vitamins to malnourished kids around the world for every purchase that you make. So it's just a great company with high quality ingredients that work. Go to Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your first order. And when you support a sponsor of this podcast, you are also supporting this podcast and the work that I do and the people that work behind the show. So for that, I thank you. And you'll get really good products as well. So that's Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER to get 15% off your order. All right, back to the show. NAIA, like how is that different from like division two? Is that hard to explain? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like division two or three, 2.5 is the joke, but <laughs> basically, yeah, the difference is like the funding and the money. Mm. Um, you know, I'm probably going to butcher this, but I think it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of private Christian colleges in the NAIA. Um, I don't exactly remember how it started, but I know when it started NAIA and NCAA were kind of comparable and um similar and then NCAA just slowly more and more funding came through and somehow NAI has uh continued to to hold its own and um every couple of years that we'll hear about schools that are switching over to D2 and and then but some schools will switch into NAI so it's super interchangeable um the main difference that I knew which is what I 
was the uh the clearinghouse rules so they have rules of you know like exams sat exams your undergraduate stuff um your time clock for when you get injured or don't get injured and the nai is much more lenient they um they don't require i don't even think they require well, they might require an sat i'm gonna butcher this but i know that their their uh eligibility stuff is, is a lot more lenient and they don't go through the clearinghouse like as heavily as as the ncaa uh, the time clock goes by enrolled terms rather than a time of enrollment. So if you start, I don't know, yeah, in 2020, you have five years in the NCAA. So you have till 2025. Mm. And But NAI says, no, you get 10 enrolled semesters, no matter what. So if you took a semester off, it pauses your eligibility clock. Okay. So you'll end up having, well, I guess some older athletes. Uh, I mean, I think my senior year, I was 24, which isn't that old, but it's not 22 or 21, like yeah. I think it's most of them, but I mean, in a weird way, yeah, I, I kind of needed that time because I took all that time off and, um, I needed, I wanted that time to kind of catch up and stuff. So that's well, the main yeah. difference. And you talk about yeah. the leadership aspect. Like, I mean, there is, there is a difference in, in the age and your life experiences. Like you had a different perspective than a 22 yeah. year old kid who went four straight years. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I mean, looking back again, I'm glad I did it. It's, uh, yeah, it's totally different. My time at NAU versus uh, Southern Oregon is, it's crazy. And the fun part is, and we haven't got to it yet, but when I ended up getting back to Flagstaff, like after turning pro, it was, uh, it was like an emotional moment for me to get back there. Cause I hadn't been back in like seven years or six years. And the last time I was there, I viewed Eric, I viewed myself as like this uh, kind of a loser. Like I flunked mm -hmm. out of college. I, you know, wasn't good enough for this or that. And, and when I got back, I remember I was like, wow, here I am again. But like, I viewed the city totally differently. I viewed like Eric totally differently. And it was almost like a healing uh, process. It was really cool. Okay. So we're back in Flagstaff. And by the way, you, sure. I, I would love to hear you talk about signing with Hoka and like that early, oh, yeah. early phase yeah. of being a pro. Uh, Cause I, you know, you had mentioned all the kids in AU wanted to go pro and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh man. I think yeah. kids have in their head, like, I need to go to this, like, very successful yeah. D1 program to be even considered for pro. But what we don't necessarily take into consideration is, like, the amount of growth that happens post-college in, in our yeah. running and our bodies and our mentality. Um, so, hey, guys, yeah. you don't have to go to a D1 to, <laughs> to yeah. make this happen. No, I mean, but, and yeah, share about that. Exactly. I mean, and I love NAU. Like I know Mike Smith really well. Ironically, like he was, he was, it's funny looking back at it. Cause he used to call my parents when I was in high school to like, you know, recruit me cause he was the assistant coach. Uh, and now it's funny cause he's the head coach now and they're having so much success. Oh, so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, you don't, it's especially now with the way the internet is and, and like the yeah. plethora of knowledge, like it, it's actually crazy. I think you need to go where you're happy and where, you know, you, you can fulfill your other like gaps in life. Cause if you just identify yourself with your running and your results, like that's, that's a, you're living and dying by the sword as they say. And that's, that's a difficult um, thing to do. So I think, yeah, you, I mean, I'm an advocate of go small. Like there's uh, David Ribich and I have talked about this because David Ribich went to Western Oregon. He went to a small school as well. And it's like, you know, you can, you can find it. And so, um, but yeah, so my, uh, I was kind of chuckling when you said that you, the NAU and they all wanted to go pro because my senior year at Southern Oregon, 
um, for some reason, I don't know why, but I had a, I had a huge chip on my shoulder because uh, I wanted to like prove to myself and prove to maybe like some people at NAU and stuff when I bombed out that like I could do it. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I can do it better than them or something. I don't know. I need, I, it was like a fire in my belly where I wanted, I wanted to race NAU so bad my, mm. my senior of college. And I remember it was like Brian Schrader and Footsom Zenoslossi were like the big seniors um, that year and maybe some other guys. And I remember my problem with being at Southern Oregon was I couldn't get into these big races. It was like super political and they wouldn't let me in. And I, and I wanted to get into these big races and I kept, I was in all these small meets and, um, the paces weren't fast enough or I didn't have, you know, the fast mark. And then, um, but my senior year, I did win the cross title. So we go to a Stanford invite, not pay, no, a Stanford invite. And I get put in the B heat. And I remember I was like, I was upset. Cause I was like, no, like, like, like all the NAU guys and Oregon guys, they're all in the A heat. Like I like put me in the, a, it was, this is for a 5k by the way. And I was like, no, no, can you give me in the A heat? And uh, they're like, nah, the meet director was like, no, no, no. Now, do you know the name? Uh, you probably do. Pete Julian. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Pete Julian is from um, Southern Oregon. He's from uh-huh. Ashland, Oregon. So his, uh, his dad was the assistant coach at my at my university. Oh, wow. So it's kind of funny because Pete and I are really cool. We get on really well. And basically, his dad called him and was like, hey, like, we got this kid at Southern Oregon. Um, like, can you pull a string and, like, get him into the fast section? And I remember, like, I didn't know Pete. And at the time he wasn't Pete yet, I guess, if that makes sense. Like yeah. he was like, I think he was coaching at Washington state university and he was a former pro runner. But anyway, I remember he made the phone call to the Stanford uh, director and they got me in the race. And the coach was like, I remember the Stanford guy was like, all right, like I'll let him in. But like, he's by far got the slowest PB. And I think I was the only guy in the 5k that hadn't broken 14, but in my head, I was like, well, I'm going to smash 14, but like, I just haven't gone into a race. I've been in all these small races. And, uh, I remember I, I, we got in and then Pete Julian had said to his dad, like, all right, like, just like, I'll get Eric in, just like, just don't fuck it up. Like, like, <laughs> like, like run well. And I was like, okay, all right, no pressure, dude. Jeez. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I remember again, I'm, I'm warming up and I see like Texas, I think Craig Lutz was in my race actually. And oh, all okay. these other guys and all these guys that like, I knew the names and I've been wanting like itching to like get a chance at them. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, long story short, I ended up winning the race, um, which was wow, awesome. Wow, that is uh, so cool. It was really cool. It was a huge like mental breakthrough for me, or physical both. And I I took the lead uh, with like a K to go, and then I just ran away from the field. And I remember Brian Schrader was like right behind me at one point, and I knew because I knew who he was in uh-huh. NAU. And I remember I just like hit the gas as hard as I could because I was thinking like this is what I've been wanting like this and I'm going to take it. And so that was really fun. And, um, after the race, Heinz, the NAU coach, like he gave me a big hug. He was like, that was amazing. Like that was Aww. so fun to watch kid. And I was like, thanks, thanks coach. Cause he was my coach when I was yeah. there. And he knew like, at least I think he thinks I'm a good guy. And it was just a matter of like immaturity and not applying myself. And so, you know, um, anyway, it was really, really cool. So it's, it, that was a cool memory. And that was a huge like breakthrough. And then the rest of my senior year, just once I won that race, I, I was able to get into other things. I remember uh, two weeks later, I got into the Oregon Twilight Meet and I raced Centrowitz and Sam Prakel and all these other guys who, well, at the time, Prakel was just an Oregon athlete, but um, and it, it went really well. And Centro ended up beating me by like 0.08. It was like super close. Um, but then that's when I was like, oh, I, 
like I might be able to do this after college. Cause again, I was thinking and like, I wanted to conquer the college realm, I guess, is as I was thinking. And then go through my NAI national championships that goes well. And then I get into, uh, I'm trying to get into USA's, but I don't really, I think I'm on the bubble to qualify. And then I, uh, I get told about a mile that's going on down here in San Diego. And I haven't been back in San Diego. You know, I'm going to school in Oregon. It's been like four years, three and a half years. And I haven't raced in San Diego since like high school. And they're like, Hey, we're going to put on this mile in San Diego. Uh, you should come do it. And at Southern Oregon, we have, we're a small school, so we don't do indoors. So we never run a mile. Like I don't, I don't, mm. we just train through indoors. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, I haven't ran a mile since like high school. And so my PB is like 10 years old or something or whatever it was. No, that's not right. Six, six years old. Wow. I was 24 at this time. So anyway, so uh, I fly down to San Diego. Uh, I go to the race and without realizing it, I show up to warm up and there's like 50 people there with t-shirts that say, go Eric. And I was Aww. like, what like your is home, going it's your on? Hometown. It's my hometown. And I didn't realize that my high school coach was so proud of me that he had written to the newspaper, the San Diego and LA times. And Aww. they ran an article about this cool comeback story of this kid who had uh, like, yeah, like, I don't know, like kind of given, given up on himself and then somehow pulled his bootstraps up and, and is, is, has this, uh, this cool story. So it was really cool. It was like really emotional. And it was before the race. And I remember I saw it and I was like wanting to cry, but also, yeah. like, also I was like, uh, so committed to like, I really want to break four. And when I saw them, I was like, I have to break four today. Like I've never broken four. And, um, it was really, really cool. So there was about 50 people there there's a banner and all shirts and Jim Ryan, um, was holding the finish tape ironically. Cause it was, uh, the, the race was being put on by Jim Ryan. It was a commemorative race for like 50 years since his first sub four or 60 years. I wish my memory was better. <laughs> I think it's like 60 years. Um, and then that race though, I ended up running 356, and that got me into USA's, which ultimately would get me a contract and stuff. Again, when all this stuff's happening, it seems like it's happening so fast and, and it's hard to like articulate what's, what's going on. But when I look back, I'm like, Oh, that was like such a big defining moment. And so it was like, you know how it ripples so oh both of those stories are so cool winning that meet and then the hometown mile race isn't it so wild too like when you're walking through all of that like when you took the gap and all, you know like did the construction yeah. it's like you just like don't know what the ending of the story is going to be like you really yeah. and like what would it have been had you toughed it out and like made like the bare minimum grades at NAU and like, would sure. you have gotten so burnt out that like you did hang it up? Probably. Yeah. You know? I don't think you I would don't be, I'd be running right now. No, I think I would have. Yeah. I don't think I would be running right now. Wow. I think I would have just been like, I did it, whatever. And then, um, yeah. Cause the fact that I had the support of like Southern Oregon later into my career, and I even think about things like what if I didn't break four that day? Yeah. I wouldn't have made USA's. I wouldn't have got a contract. And then that's a whole nother story. Cause then I, now I'm forced to go into the work world, which is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but it changes. Cause now it's so different. The, the route that I went once I got a contract and I started and fast forward a whole career now at this level, it's, it's interesting to see like how that all has panned out. But ultimately uh, it, I got into USA's um, after that mile and then Pete Julian uh, kind of got involved because he was trying to help me out maybe get a contract with nike i was maybe going to sign with nike and he had just gotten the job pete was now working with the oregon project so i had an opportunity to 
to go there. And I remember that's like, again, that's like a dream at that time. And this was 2014. So this is before all the, all the allegations and stuff really came Mm. through. And, um, but I, I got a phone call, I signed with an agent and then I got a phone call in August, uh, uh, from a, my agent and it was basically it was like hey hoka wants to sign you and i said well what the heck is hoka i had never even heard of the company i didn't <laughs> really? know what it was yeah i was like i don't know what that is like and they're like oh it's the big shoes i'm like those are those big ones those big <laughs> weird shoes like i was like that's so weird like why what what where are they you know and he's like look 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 you might want to look at this contract and basically it was like it was a good contract i was like what like what is this like who is this and why and then i and then I found out that like, basically uh, there's a guy named Jim Van Dyne who I'm really good friends with now, but Jim was the president of Hoka at the time. And Jim is like a diehard California, uh, like running nut is the best way to put it. So uh, he he's born and raised California and he's got like a big soft spot for like California runners. And he just so happened to like, he used to coach my Southern Oregon college coach. And I was like, oh, it's all connected. So my college coach was like, oh, yeah, he's an Aggie. That's the nickname for them. They're called the Aggies. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're the Hoka Aggies now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's the those group. guys. Yeah. So it's the group. But like the older Aggies, they were the Aggies back in the 70s and 80s. They were running Hoka back um, at this time in 2014. They're not anymore, but they all of them. So Joe Rubio is one of them. Joe Rubio owns Running Warehouse. Uh-huh. Um, so it was like Joe and and Peanut. This is this other guy. Harms is his name. And I got to meet them all. And they all are just like, all these dudes are like, I don't know, 60 plus years old. They're all like from California. They all grew up in California. And um, anyway, they were like, they, they're, they're running nerds. They go to like the high school state meet every year and they just bring a pack of beer. And they just like, <laughs> it's so funny. I'm like, you guys are dorks. But they're <laughs> like the coolest guys. Anyway, so they were like, look, we're going to turn this company into a cool company. Like we're going to turn Hoka into like, something awesome and so i was like all right shoot so yeah. uh i took it i was like okay yeah this is pretty sweet so that's how i ended up with hoka at that's, that time yeah that's because that timeline went long enough ago that hoka was really breaking into like the road scene more so because when they came out they were like trail shoes and yeah i feel like all the old people were wearing them because of all the cushioning and yeah it was like walking on clouds yeah because what was that like was it like 2015 or something uh, yeah, 2014 was when they signed Leo Manzano in the spring of 2014. And then they signed myself and Kyle Merber that summer. Okay. 2014. Oh, okay. okay. Wow. And a guy named Ford Palmer, they signed at the same time as well. So. Okay. Okay. So you're with Adidas now, which how long have you been yeah. with Adidas? Uh, like five years. Okay. Five tell years. tell me about that yeah. because I don't. I don't feel that I see a ton of Adidas athletes. I guess I do interview more marathoners and distance runners sure. so you do see adidas more on the track yeah yeah no that's it's true yeah the marketing it's so fun this is what i was going to say as far as like my life uh trajectory because now i've learned so much about the running marketing and like yeah agents and contracts and like that's like that's my world and so when i'm done here i'll probably well we'll see i might end up becoming an agent or maybe a coach but um it's interesting how it all pans out but yeah so i was with hoka for three years and then my contract ended and they offered me to go to at this point it had changed management uh, mm-hmm. those guys that i just described all had uh stepped out basically the company was doing so well that they wanted to expand and um bring it under 
uh, public domain. So it, it could be under Decker's. So Decker's outdoor can, and to do that, they had to bring it under the same roof. And anyway, and they, a bunch of business stuff happened. So the new management was like, hey, we're going to go in this direction. And that direction was, they were kind of splicing up uh, some of the individuals. And so they were telling me that I had to go to NJNY in uh, the Hoka NJNY team that was in New York City. Mm. And at that time, uh, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to go to New York. And um, the contract didn't look appealing enough to do that. And um, 17, 2017, I also had one of my first injuries in running. So I didn't really race much that year. So not surprisingly, they weren't like stoked to throw out a bunch of money at me. I was like, that's fine. Um, so I ended up leaving. And at the time I was like, okay, I need to make some decisions on what I want to do. And I ended up starting to work with uh, Terrence Mahone, okay. who is down here. He's the Golden Coast tra Track Club coach. At the time, uh, that team didn't even exist. He, I reached out to him through a friend. And basically, he had said that he was going to leave at the end of 2017 from Boston. He was leaving his position at BAA, and he was going to move to San Diego. And I was like, in Oregon. And I was like, well, that's funny. I'm from San Diego. And so he was like, hey, like, are you interested? If you're interested, like, let me know. And yeah, and then I was like looking around at contract stuff. And then I thought, you know what, let's do this. Let's try something new. And he was one of my best like opportunities I thought I saw. And at the time I saw like my dad had just retired. He's getting older. My brother was settling down with his fiance down here. Everyone was in Southern California, all my family that is here. So I thought like it seemed like a good time to like come back to yeah. towards the family and um so I, uh, yeah, so that's how I got in with him. Uh, Terrence is uh, like a consultant with Adidas. So that helps. Mm -hmm. uh, so then I started with him. And then from there, at one point, I started running really well. And um, Adidas uh, joined the conversation. Hey, friends, did you know I have training plans on my website for half marathons and marathons? I have 14 week half marathon training plans. And 18-week marathon training plans. They give you a nice base build in there. There are four options for the half marathon, starting way at the beginner level all the way up to the advanced. And for the marathon, we have three, beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And they all come with pace charts so that if you're looking to run a certain time, it gives you ideas for what you want to be hitting for ranges of tempo runs, intervals, things like that. And I also have a detailed pre- and post-run stretching and strength routine included in that. All right. And so for a limited time, you can use the code Lindsay five L I N D S E Y and the number five for $5 off any of the training plans. Just go to lindsayhine.com, check out training plans. And there are detailed descriptions under each plan. All right, friends back to the show. Okay. So you're leaving Terrence though. And yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're leaving San Diego to go live in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm allowed to say that because I'm from Indiana and I've lived lived there for most of my life. I lived there yeah. for most of my life. So I'm just like, whoa, tell me about that decision. To And we started the conversation talking about sure. Ron. And I know you, you had a good experience with Terrence and you're yeah. just a very nice guy. So you have to go to the very nice <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe we're all jerks. It was just a pun playing words. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, after we have a few beers. Uh, yeah, no, um, I was at Terrence for five years. Yeah. I had a really good, uh, yeah, really good three or four years. And then the last year, not 
and this, I just felt like I needed a change and I was starting to get, um, I don't know if stale is the right word or I, I guess I would use the word burnt out. I started mm. feeling burnt out and I don't know if that's, well, I kind of do know, but, um, I felt like I was leaving a lot of my workouts in practice. Um, mm. I felt like I underperformed from what I'm capable of. Um, I mean, look, I, I've been with Terrence and I've been the most consistent I've ever been in, you know, results. I've, uh, I was top five at USA's like three or four times. I got a US road mile title, all that stuff. I even got a, at asterisk, like indoor two mile title. I say that because Drew Hunter technically won, um, from the B heat, but I won the, the A oh, heat. Oh, I saw runner up there, but okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. So with, when I was with Terrence, I was just really consistent and it was great. And then, yeah, I don't know if it was, um, it was probably a few things, just like anything with relationships with people, but five years with Terrence was, was a good run. And one of the main issues I had that I reason I changed and ended up kind of joining Ron was I didn't have many guys to train with, mm. especially my last two years there. There was maybe one guy to run with, um, if that, and a lot of times I was doing a lot of stuff alone. Mm. And after a while that gets hard, especially when like, I'm a social guy, like I love the banter. Like that's a big part of what made Southern Oregon so much fun for me was like the banter. And as long as I'm having fun with it, um, I don't even realize like it, the five minute mile pace for a tempo or whatever, doesn't seem very hard, but if I'm out there alone and, mm. oh man, this is, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was hard. It felt like, kind of felt like banging my head against the wall after a while. So, um, so I felt like I needed to change and that was, it was a hard, it, I told, uh, my agent, I was like, it feels like I'm breaking up with like a girlfriend or something <laughs> when yeah. I was like telling Terrence, like, Hey. I, I need to go this way now. And, and it was like, you didn't do anything wrong per se. It's just, it's, this is what my gut's telling me. And, and that, that was hard. So those conversations are so hard. Um, yeah, the grind is so different when you're doing it with people. And I, some people like to do it alone, but yeah, yeah. the overwhelming majority seem to thrive more in a group setting. Yeah. Um, who's your agent? Uh, now I'm with Stephen Haas. I was oh, with Ray Flynn are. for about seven years. Oh, okay. How long have you been with Steven? Uh, a year. Okay. Pretty much exactly a year. Maybe okay. a year and a few months. Something like that. Yeah. I was going to say, did you consider going down to his group? I did actually. Yeah. I actually got an Under Armour contract offer. So I just re-signed uh, in March of 2022 with Adidas. But uh -huh. I had a few offers. I had, um, they had an Under Armour offer on the table. That was the one I almost, I was this close to signing. Really? With Under Armour. Um, but it was to... Uh, it wasn't to Steven's group. Unfortunately, it was, oh. it was to the other group in Baltimore and, um, and they're a great group of guys. I mean, and, and girls actually, uh, by the time they, they didn't have a big setup and it was, uh, it felt like a big risk, a big jump again to go. Maybe I just don't like the East coast. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> the second time they're like, Hey, you go to the East coast. I was like, no, 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 but I but, will go to uh, Michigan. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, I, I didn't move to Michigan. That's what I was going to tell you. So oh, I'm working okay, with Ron me. from afar. So that's kind of, oh. yeah, that's kind of the other catch. So, cause I, I kind of wanted the freedom. And so when I talked to Under Armour about stuff, like I was fully committed. Like I wanted, I was kind of excited for a change. Like I said, I was like, well, this could work, you know? And at the time I wanted to stay with Adidas, but at that moment with those conversations, um, Adidas hadn't, hadn't made a very good offer. And I was like, well, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go with the highest bidder kind of a thing. And yeah. so, but, but it made it difficult because, because uh, Adidas was very much like, you can be wherever you want. And at the end, Adidas was like, all right, 
you know, we'll match this. And so I was like, oh, well, then this is a no brainer. I, they match in things and um, I can do whatever I want. I can like live in Alaska if I want to or something. <laughs> I could do whatever. While Under Armour, it had a clause in there that very much said um, I have to be in this location. And, and, and that made me nervous, I guess, yeah. going into, you know, my final career contract at late, you know, in my 30s. And it was a lot of uh, uncertainties. And they're like, Oh, yeah, we're, we're you know, we're going to give you uh, some some training partners eventually. And, and then also the Under Armour contract was less length, while Adidas was like, I think it was like a three year, it's a three year contract and mm. Under Armour's was a two year contract. And so I kind of, I liked the length of that too. So, yeah. So who are you going to train with though? I mean, Ron's going to be your coach from afar, but your big thing was like, you wanted more than one guy to train with. So who are you going to train with? Oh yeah. Sorry. Um, so the whole Ron thing kind of happened really oddly, but um, basically I, I'm going to train with the very nice guys, but basically what we're doing is, so I, uh, I moved to Flagstaff. Okay. Um, I'm not there right now. I'm I know. I was San like, right I heard now. your dad earlier. You're in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. <now. laughs> it's my dad's 80th birthday this Aww. weekend. So I'm here for his, we're having a big fiesta and my Aww. mom, like my whole family, uh, I'm actually helping her. We hired like a food truck that's going to park in the back. They have a band and we're having like a photo booth. And so I'm here for, for that, uh, which is great. I mean, it's San Diego, it, you know, it's great. Uh, and is I'm actually going to go. Or no, what, it's, is that this uh, weekend? It's, this, it's this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this weekend, but, um, uh, so that'll be super fun. And maybe I'll actually post on Instagram. I was going to say, <laughs> that's what you need to post. Your dad's turning. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's hilarious. Um, yeah. So I'm here and I brought my cat with me. So my cat loves my parents and vice versa. My mom loves it. They're <laughs> retired and they don't have any grandkids. So they're like, bring your pets. Like I'll bring my cat. Yeah. Your dad's um, like, I'm 80. Come on. Give me some grandkids. At least I get a cat. There we go. Oh, seriously. I, I, yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, dad, you waited till you were like 50 to have me. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no, but um, yeah. So I, I moved to Flagstaff because I, I love, I love flag. And after going back there for all these training camps, my 2021 year, 2022 2020 2021 there was like a 12-month stretch where I was in Flagstaff I want to say nine months of mm. the last 12 months in 2020 slash 2021 so I told Terrence at the time before we split I was like going there because I was trying to find training partners so I would go and I would link up with uh like Stephen Haas's group or I would link up with other guys um that were out there and then eventually I was like this kind of feels like a second home this is where I want to be. So even when I was talking to Under Armour, that was kind of my pitch. I was like, Hey, I really want to live in Flagstaff for, uh, I also respond really well to the altitude and I just love the community and the whole bit. So Adidas let me do this. And then when I started talking to Ron, um, I told you there was like multiple reasons it was attractive. If he has a lot of success with guys later in their career, he has a lot of guys in his team. He's got a plethora of, of guys to work out with. Uh, and one of the, the catches was, that a lot of his guys want to go to Flagstaff. And so now what we're kind of doing, what's kind of become the pattern is, is he'll send the very nice track of guys to me. Mm. And we will train together in flag for six weeks or two months at a time. And then the caveat is that I will then go to Michigan uh, every three months for like a month. And okay. I was like, all right, you could probably make that work. And so, yeah. so yeah, so I was there all January and a little bit of February. And then oh, I, those are I hard left. months to go to Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that's yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It was hard. It was hard. Adidas had I to send not... you some near new gear for that. Oh yeah. I literally, I, yeah, I asked them for like so many jackets and gloves and like scruffs. And I was like, also, I didn't realize like I knew it would be cold. 
I didn't realize how cloudy it is out there. Like, yeah. like I struggled with that a lot. Yeah, like I was like, really wow. Hard. And I used to live in Oregon. I was like, this is like worse. Like there's no sunshine here. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a shock, but, um, but it, I mean, it makes like, they're like the nicest people in the Midwest. Yes. I oh, that was yeah. my first time in the Midwest. Totally and agree with I, that. It was crazy. I was like, everyone is so friendly here. And then you go to New York and they're like, Hey, and I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> I'm, I'm like scared of New Yorkers. I'm scared of New York. I'm scared of New Jersey. I have very similar sentiments with that. Cause I just feel like everything's so fast and people just like need to get where they're going and they don't have time yeah. to hold doors open and make small talk. And I'm, you know, trying to chat with every neighbor that walks by. That's my, yeah. mid that's the Midwest. <laughs> that sounds me. like the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was so friendly. And I was always looking at them like, what do you want? Oh, oh, you're just nice. I'm you're like, just nice. okay. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. I was like, wow, it's like kind of grim here at times, but everyone is so friendly and yeah. like no one locks their doors. Or, that's what uh -huh. it felt like. Midwest is best. A Midwest fall, you can't beat it. So you like Flagstaff. You're happy there. Sure. Um, this yeah. is all really exciting then. So one yeah. of the uh, last things we'll talk about before we wrap up within a podcast is just like riding out that burnout wave that you mentioned, mm, yeah. Um, which can feel really stressful when you think, you just, like you just mentioned, signing might be signing like my last contract and like, yeah, you're like, am I done? Am I not done? I need to yeah. like, I need to like produce for my sponsor. Oh, hundred percent. How'd yeah. you walk through that? Yeah. I think we talked about this earlier before we started recording. Um, yeah. It's something that I haven't really been uh, public about and maybe I should, but yeah, I like 2021, I remember at the trials feeling starting to feel, I don't know, just like I needed a break. And I remember thinking like, just get to this race, get to this race. And I had the trials had felt like this two year buildup because we had COVID 2020 mm -hmm. and then, and then 2021. And, and I remember feeling as if like, I didn't take, I don't think I took a break. I just kept training and training and training and knock on wood. But my thing's always been like, I don't get hurt very often if at all, but I, I get burnt out. I don't want to say regularly, but like I'm sensitive to getting burning out, like getting burnt out. So it, it makes it difficult because I can hammer workouts and stuff. And then eventually I, I just feel like I can't go. And so after 2021, I remember telling Terrence, uh, like, I need to, I, I want to take the summer off. And he was like, what are you talking about? You're in 333 shape. Like, why would you take the summer off? And I was like, dude, I, I need to take like a month or two or three off. We ended up not doing that um, because he was like, look, your contract's up at the end of this year. You need to like, you know, show fitness and show, um, you know, just, you need to race more actually. And I was like, okay, you're the boss. Like I'll do it. And so I did it. And, but in the back of my head, the whole time I could feel this subtle, uh, feeling of like, I am like, I am struggling more and more to like hurt or struggling more and more to dig, or I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, and then by the time of the end of 2021, I was in con contract negotiations with like ASICs and Nike and, under armor and adidas we're trying to figure out what i want to do but under all of this i was like man i just want to get through this and then i just want to take a break like mm -hmm. i really want to break so i remember in december terrence i told him i was like dude look like i need some sort of break and he's like no you got indoors and i was like no dude like I, we pushed through the summer i didn't get the summer off like i need a break so i actually went do you know the name justin Britton? the the photographer, photographer? Yeah. yeah so justin and i are really good friends so Terrence gave me a pass in December of 2021 to like take a break or whatever. And I was like, okay. He's like, all right, you get two weeks. I was like, all right, fine. I wanted four weeks, but like, I'll take two. So Justin, I text Justin and I said, Hey man, like, so Justin and I love European soccer, like football. 
Okay. And so I was texting him. I was like, Hey man, what are you doing in December? And he like loves to fly and he has like amazing fly miles with Delta. So I was like, Hey, like you got any miles saved up? Do you want to go to Europe for like two weeks and just go see some football matches? So we ended up going. So we went to London and we went to a couple matches in London we went to Liverpool match and then we hopped over to Dublin while we're in Liverpool. He goes, Hey, like, do you want to go to Dublin? And I was like, well, is, what match is there? And he goes, well, there's no match, but the European cross country champs are happening oh, tomorrow. And, and this is like Friday night. We're at a pub in Liverpool drinking. And I was like, fuck it, let's go. Yeah. So we like book a flight. We like get back to, to like our place. We're staying, grab the flight the next morning at like 6am fly to Dublin go straight to the course like watch the race go out that night in Dublin and like it's kind of like I needed to feed my soul I was like all right and I wasn't running but there I was at a cross-country race like yeah and it was super fun and then we go back we saw another football match uh in London and then and then I came back and I remember coming back and right when I got back Terrence was like all right you had your two weeks off like get right back on it and the unfortunate part was like I I caught the flu in that oh. travels probably somewhere in the pub yeah. in one of the pubs <laughs> so I caught the flu and then I had to take a few weeks off and then right after I caught the flu I ran for like a week and then I got COVID and then it just things started happening where it was like hey man like indoors is not going to happen now because yeah. my two-week break ended up being you know maybe six weeks but then when, the whole time I'm still going through contract stuff and when I finally got jogging again it was like end of January and um you would think that that was like a great break and it was, but even when I started jogging, I remember still feeling like, man, that's concerning is that like, it's still there. That yeah. lack of excitement to do this or this feeling of burnout. And I was like, man, I don't know. Uh, I'll just try to ignore it and keep going. So, and we're going through contract negotiations. And so at the time I, you know, it was exciting to think about a change. And that's when this conversation started with Terrence about maybe, maybe that's what I need. And, um, so we're going through the contract stuff and that was great. And then once we did pen to paper and I re-signed, uh, I was like, okay, good. And I had like a blip of like a few weeks where I was like enjoying running because I had just re-signed and I, you know, I had this confidence that I had like a support of a sponsor and I wanted to, you know, provide and give to them something. But then once we started racing in April, um, there was a mixture of, I probably wasn't as fit as I could have been, but also the same thing was happening where when we'd hit the bell in the race, and it's time to bite down. Um, I couldn't like, I couldn't go, I couldn't like hurt. And I remember guys would pass me and I just like, couldn't seem to, hmm. uh, yeah. Like that feeling of burnout was still there. And I was like, I can't go. Like, I'm, I don't know, like chronically cooked or something. Or like you just felt, felt like, like you didn't care enough, like, or yeah. maybe that's not the right word, but like, cause as a professional athlete, you know how to hurt, sure. but you didn't want yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want it. Well, I felt like I was again, going back to old habits die hard. I felt like I was leaving my races in practice uh-huh. and, and I would see like Neil Gorley and work out in, in flag and I'd want to go with him. And, and then he's hitting it and I'm like, well, I'm going to bite down and hold on to him on a Tuesday in Sedona. Yeah. But then on Saturday, uh, when it really matters, I'm like, well, now I can't do it. Cause I just used it on Tuesday and Wednesday. And so there was, I was noticing that I was trying to prove to myself that like, I still got it, but at the same time I'm digging a hole on myself. Mm. So there was this like cycle that I was noticing I was falling into, but when it, it's easy now to look back and see it and be like, Oh, that's what was happening. But in the moment you're like, no, 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 I just, uh, you know, I don't feel fit. So I'm going to like push to prove fitness to myself and get yeah. confident. But then by pushing, you're like making it worse. I don't know if that makes sense, but you're like pushing in the workout, but feeling a little stagnant in the race. Yes, exactly. So it was strange. And then after a while it was like a, 
it, I started getting into a habit of like, I started dropping out of races because once I realized I couldn't win or I was not going to run a fast time, I would get so frustrated. And I've never like had this happen in my running career before where I would feel like that. So mm-hmm. I dropped out of like two or three races in a row. And I remember after a while, I was like, I don't trust my body. Like, I don't understand what's going on. So we like got some blood work, trying to figure things out. And, but at that point, I remember being so frustrated. I was like, look, like, like, I just want to break. Like I, again, and I remember Terrence was like, what are you talking about? Like, I was like, dude, like, this is like an injury. And I remember being at Portland track fest last year, 2022. And I was out with, again, I was out with Engels and some friends in Portland. And I remember thinking like, um, this is going to sound so bad, but I remember thinking like, I had almost (laughs) wished that I had like an injury. So I had a reason not to race. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And, and in the moment, like when I, that thought crossed my mind, I was like, well, Eric, you should like pay attention to this. Like, this is a yeah. real feeling you're having. Like you would right now you're like, I really didn't want to race and I'd rather be injured. And I remember thinking like, oh, well, what if I twist my ankle on a run? Like, is that an excuse to and these thoughts are going to my head? I'm like, what am I thinking right now? This is crazy. And so then I got on a plane the next day, went to practice. And I was like, Terrence, like, I'm, I'm not racing. He was like, oh, you got USA's in a month. Like, you know, you're working out well. Like, what if we just back you off? And I was like, nah, man, it's not, it's not that at this point. It's like, this feeling has been going on for like a year of, I just don't think, don't know if I want to run right now. And like, I, so I told Adidas like, Hey, look, like, like I'm injured. My brain is injured, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, like yeah. I need to, to, to like navigate this. Like, so, um, so yeah, I withdrew from USA's. I withdrew from all my races. Um, and then I just like took a month off and I went back to San Diego actually. And I went surfing with my friends and was just like normal, I guess for a bit. And it felt so good to like, maybe like let go of the pressure that I put on myself. And, um, and then eventually I went back to Flagstaff where I actually have my place where I live. And I was there and I was like hanging out with friends. It's, it's hard being in Flagstaff because it's all running. And, but I would hang out with people and like time their workouts and just kind of mm-hmm. be there and Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, can you help? I was like, sure, I'll ride the bike with you. Like Durgan was there and I was riding the bike on her tempos, just helping her out as a, cause I want them to do well. But as far as she's like, oh, do you want me to time you? And I was like, nah, I'm good. Like, I'm not gonna <laughs> run. She's like, what? I was like, I know it's really weird. But so I ended up taking <laughs> like two and a half, two months off. And in that time period, uh, Ron Warhurst would call me from time to time. He'd be like, hey, what are you doing? Like, like I was like, nothing. He's like, why aren't you at USA? So I was like, ah, a long story. Uh, but then eventually he was like, hey, like, if you're just going to take the summer off, like, why don't you just come hang out in Michigan? And I was like, why would I go to Michigan? <laughs> and then eventually he uh, convinced me to like come out and he's like, come, come rock climb and come have some beers with me. I was like, okay, I don't know. And he's like, look, we'll pay for your flight. I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, come, come out. So then I went, I was like, all right, if you pay for my flight, like I'll go. So I go and, and that's like how it started with, with Ron and, and the group. They were like, they like slowly tricked me into running. Cause they, yeah. they're like, Oh, like just go five miles with the good boys. You won't have to go hard. I was like, okay. And uh, yeah. And then eventually they were all going to Europe and they asked me to, um, to basically go with them to Europe. And they're like, Hey, look, we're going to send Hobbs, Kessler and Morgan and all these guys that haven't been to Europe to go race in Europe, but they don't know Europe. And we'd love you to be there and just hang out with them and like be the, assistant coach like help them navigate and be the liaison between like the agent i was like oh i don't know and then they're again they're like we'll pay for all your flights and stuff i was like okay i'm not doing anything anyway like i'm gonna take the summer off so then i i go with them uh like end of july at this point early august and we stayed there for like 
six weeks. And slowly I would just run their warmups with them, time their workouts. And then on slowly it was like, oh, well, now I'm going to go six miles of their eight mile run. And now I'm going to go. And uh, in September, we were like about to come back and there was a race being put together in London. And um, I remember Ron called me. He was like, hey, look, uh, I want you to race it. I was like, no, I don't want to race it. And he goes, oh, come on. Like, I want you to hop in this mile with, with the guys. Mm -hmm. Like you've been jogging with them. And, and sometimes I'd pace them in their workouts and I would do like the first half of their workout with them just to help rabbit them. But this feeling of like no pressure, I was like loving that. The fact that like, it wasn't about Eric anymore. It wasn't about what I ran. Um, but that was the best thing that could have happened. Cause then I ended up breaking four actually, which is really funny. I ended wow. up running 358. Yeah. It was so weird. And I broke four and I was like, I told Ron, I was like, Ron, that's the first time I, I could hurt or like bite down at the bell since the trials. And I was like, it's been over a year since I've been able to like do that. And so when that happened, I was like, oh, maybe this is like, I just need to take pressure off myself and just like have fun kind of like in college. And, and then it will just come. So, so it was a long winded answer. Like how did Adidas respond? Cause this is so interesting to me. And I think that if more athletes would take those feelings seriously about burnout that mm. less injuries probably would happen and like career longevity would be stronger because you give yourself sure. that time what did adidas say like were they gracious with you when you needed a break yeah i mean i had just resigned as well which is kind of funny yeah it's, like, it's hard thanks for the contract and they like even gave me a raise and everything and then i was like by the way uh i'm gonna go <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, no, it was hard. And I remember at the time, at the time when I took the break in my gut, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to come back to running. Like, that's how strongly I felt about like, I'm gonna take this break. This might be, I remember telling Terrence, I was like, I'm going to take the summer off. I'm going to take June, July and August and I'll see you in September and we'll get coffee and I'll talk about it. But I need this long break. At least that's what I thought. And, but then in, in back of my head, I was like, this three months might be three years. Like I have no idea. And like, that's just how strongly I was like, I need to listen to this now because I've been ignoring it. And I know how it is like when you, when you're feeling good and when you want to race and like how exciting it is to race and you've probably felt those races where you're like, I really don't want to do this right now. And like, and I was feeling like that every day, even in training. And I was like, well, this is not normal to feel like this, like all the time about running. And if I wasn't running, I remember I was so much happier when I wasn't running. Like, and I remember thinking like it was getting to the point where I was, kind of loathing the sport I was like I hated it and I was like I don't want to leave the sport feeling that way and I know that that's not how I actually feel it's just how I was feeling right then mm. if that made sense yeah so I I told Adidas I reached out and I was like look here's the deal and I basically said like I'm injured uh, yeah well, I was like look I'm just cooked and um so I, I, I did work with the doctor about like getting blood results. And it, it was actually kind of frustrating because the blood results came back fantastic. He's like, yeah, you're so fit. I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> and he was like, look, but then we tested some other stuff. We did like some uh, nervous system reaction tests and checked like my adrenals. And mm. basically what we found out was like I was I was cooked. I uh, my nervous system was lagging on some of the responses. And the doctor was like, yeah, uh, he's a sports medicine guy. And he was like, yeah, most likely is like you're you're dug yourself into a hole so deep that like you just need to come out of it and to come out of it you just need to like not push at all he was like you need to go really easy and or or just take time off and which was hard for me because I'm so used to just like I don't know pushing the workouts and so 
but it's interesting now because there's a mixture of that and I'm getting older. So it's hard to navigate as you get older, your body recovers differently. And so, but luckily it's been fantastic now. And, and as I'm talking to you, I'm like actually pumped to race this spring. So that's great. That's awesome. I had my adrenals tested recently too, just because I was like super stressed about some stuff, but did they give you like a supplement to take? I mean, the supplement they gave me, I think is like women specific. So I, did they okay. give you something for men for adrenals? Yeah. They actually gave me uh like lion's mane and okay. ro- riodola. Ro- oh, riodola. I know what you're talking about. I can't say it either, but I know riodola? it. Yeah. Like R-I-O-D. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Riodola, lion's mane, and oh, magnesium. I'm supposed to take like a ton of magnesium. Oh, yeah. Magnesium. So like I've been taking mm-hmm. a lot of magnesium and I'm noticing uh, it's helping. And then just going easy. And now I have a heart rate monitor that I run off of. And I'm like, okay. Because uh, I look back and I even talked to some of the guys that were in Flagstaff. Uh, I'm, uh, Pat Casey always gives me crap because he was always like, yeah, dude, your workouts were stupid. Like basically I was like racing my workouts. I feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. the thing I did, he's like, why did you do that? I'm like, Cause it would give me confidence. Cause like yeah. deep down, I wasn't confident cause I was working out alone. And then now I'm like, Oh, I don't need to do that. And so we'll see how that changes this year. Cause that's what I've been talking with Ron and this group. Whenever we train together, he'll um, yeah, I'm trying to be, be good with the training and like train smarter, not harder, I guess. So. Yeah. It sounds like it's your natural tendency to do that, to like want to go all out in training. And honestly, I think that's like a lot of people's natural tendency though, because when you can like perform really well in a workout, you're like, Oh, this shows me how fit I am. But obviously yeah. we want that performance to be at the race. Yeah. And I think too, it's funny because every coach is different, but yeah. I noticed that like Terrence would get excited when I would uh, hit it. Sometimes he'd call me an idiot, but sometimes he'd be like, Oh, that was great. Like, <laughs> that you're was so awesome. fit. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I remember last spring I was doing in April and I was being feeling kind of cooked. Me and Kyle Lankford, we ran a 400 and we ran like 49 flat together. And I remember I was like so pumped, but I was screwed after that mm. for like two weeks or something or a week and a half. Like my hamstrings were blown out. Yeah. And like for me to go run a 49 flat, like I'm a distance guy who can sprint, but like that was an all out effort. Yeah. And looking back, I'm like, I probably shouldn't have done that. And things like that would happen where I'm like getting caught up with, that's my own fault. But, um, <laughs> but now it's been really good the last year to like be like, oh, and now I'm training with like Hobbs and it's so funny training with Hobbs Kessler, who's this 19 year old phenom. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, he'll talk to me and I'm like thinking about like what I was doing at 19 and I'm like, dude, our lives are so different, like, totally. but, but also the same, yeah. and he, but he has a bad habit of like getting caught up in racing the workouts. Mm. And so this indoor season, he ran really well, but he was frustrated because by the time some of the races that matter came around, he was, he was feeling kind of flat and, and, uh, I was like, yeah, man, we gotta, you know, pull it back a little bit. And so it's just funny because I'm like, ah, oh, I should listen to myself. Like, I'm so much better at giving other people advice yeah. than like giving myself advice. You're the older, wiser one giving the 19 year old advice now. Uh, yeah. On a much smaller scale, it's funny to hear you say that about the 400 because um, the other day, my kids, my bigger boys were racing around the, this cul de sac, and my oldest, he's 10, and his friend, they, they like both won the mile in their class and they're like, you know, yeah. getting into, stuff like that. And I can still beat them for like, maybe like, you know, one more year. And uh-huh. so his buddy's like, will you race me head to head around the cul-de-sac? And I was like, yeah, okay. And I did. And my hamstring has already been bothering me. And I was like, why did you race the 10 year old around the cul-de-sac <laughs> just to see if you could still beat the 10 yep. year old only to irritate your hamstring a little bit more? Like what was oh, the point yep. of that? It yep. was fun though. No. <laughs> 
in the moment you're like yes and then you're too excited you're like that's ah, still bugging me yeah God totally yeah it's still bugging <laughs> me today and i'm like i mean i probably have another year left of of my yeah. glory days of beating my oldest child but oh um probably God. not worth the cul-de-sac sprint here i i need to race him for an actual mile not a cul-de-sac there you go. yeah you'll get him on the strength that's yeah, what that's you'll get right. him every time you'll get him <laughs> until he's like 25 or 20 you'll get him on the strength Oh yeah. It's so funny. Um, it is wild to see these boys growing up. I was going to say, do you still like soccer? Like, do you, you probably can't play, but like, do you enjoy the sport still? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I watch it all the time. I actually watched a game yesterday. Uh, with my family, it's all from London. And so uh-huh. oh, we, yeah. uh, we're all Tottenham Hotspur fans. And so I watch the club pretty closely. And then, um, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan. A lot of my, uh, buddies are like Arsenal fans or Liverpool fans. And so we have like group chats going all the time. So that's like one of my nerdy, sports I watch all the time pretty regularly. So. I'm recently a soccer fan because my kids all play now. So I'm like at the soccer yeah. fields four nights a week and that's oh. what my life is now. But um yeah, it's really fun. It's cool. And, and it's an excuse to make them run like without realizing that your kids are probably getting in really good shape just by running around chasing a ball. I know hearing you talk, it's interesting. It's always interesting to hear the soccer players that became distance runners because my son uh-huh. is like my oldest, he's pretty fast and it's like I don't know where that love will go though. You know, like, will you end up being a distance runner, but it's fun to kind of watch. You'll find it. Yeah. To just like watch where, where they naturally go. Yeah. I think the men's pros, I don't know about the women's, but they run something like seven, six to seven miles in a game. So crazy. It's crazy. And then the women's world cups coming up this summer or fall. Yeah. They're opposite years. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So the women's, that'd be cool to watch too, but yeah, that's awesome. How many kids do you have again? I have four boys. All boys. Yeah, four boys. Um, oh, man. Yeah, it's fun. It's we're in a really fun phase right now. They're like four through ten. So, um, I was about to ask, what's the range? Yeah, four, they're four, like four to ten. Four, six, eight, and ten is their ages. Oh, so. you did a good job spacing that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, let's uh let's wrap up here with end of podcast questions. Yeah. I know this is guys. This is like one of our longest interviews, and I and you're breaking the like me stereotyping like young guys being hard to interview. You've been so easy to interview. <laughs> oh, shoot. Well, hopefully that's, yeah. Hopefully everyone that's listening feels the same way. <laughs> no, it's a good thing. I, I, I did catch myself, especially like the last bit before you had to plug your computer in. I was talking and at one point I was like, man, I've been talking for a while. <laughs> I was like, I should like breathe and let her talk. Like what is going on right now? Uh, it's way right, better. <laughs> that is way better than not talking very much at all. And not having like anything to say. Cause a lot like that can be a really hard interview when I'm like, Oh my gosh, their answer was like 40 seconds and I have to already move to the next thing. And I'm not you ready to, to do on. that yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's funny. I don't know. Like when you ask them the stuff, yeah. It, like I haven't talked about this to like, I don't, like you said, I don't post very much and I haven't talked about this other than like close friends, but at the same time, I feel like it needs to be talked about. And totally. then Another like joke is when you, when I like, when you guys reach out to me and stuff, the, one of the first things I thought of was like, I almost responded was like, are you sure you want to interview me? Like, I'm not very relevant. Like, oh. like, like, like I haven't run, been running well. And I almost said that to you. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Who's but I think this makes you relevant. Like literally this makes you relevant to the audience that listens to this show, yeah. because like every single person has suffered from this, like really the main thing that sure. we talked about is this burnout. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's more common than you think. It's yeah. so common. And I think that, cause you know, m- 
I, there are professional runners that listen, but like the majority of my audience is like an everyday runner. And like, mm. I think so many everyday runners ignore that, what you're talking about right. right there, that feeling of like, I don't even want to do this anymore. And if they would just take a season off, they yeah. would feel so it's much hard. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to do. Yeah. Cause that's your way of hard life. To do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're like, well, why? Yeah. Like that last. Yeah. I mean, this is my own person, but scratching USA's last year was really hard. I didn't scratch until like the final cutoff day. I was not scratching. Cause I, cause I felt like it was wrong. Like, why would yeah. I, who would scratch USA's? Like you make USA's you're there. You know, why would you, why would you scratch? Like, just go, even if you have a bad race, you're, but I was like, no, like I, I, I need to like be definitive with my actions and like all through with, with this. And that's a strong enough feeling where it like needs to happen. And, but I will say once I did it, or once you make these decisions, whatever it is, maybe it's like not running is like, man, it felt good. Like yeah. a weight off my shoulders. It felt like this massive lift. And I was like, oh, I can do other things for a bit, which is what I did. But anyway, what'd you do on the day though? Like the day of USA's that you didn't run. Uh, that's funny. I actually talked to Hobbs on the phone and Paul Ryan because they both were asking for like advice on like how to get through rounds. Aww. And I told them both the exact same thing because they were both in the same heat together, which is kind of funny. Uh, and then What'd I watched their heat. Uh, I told them, so both of them had never made a final and never gotten through rounds before. So I told them both the same thing. I said that uh, get in the top three and do not get out of the top three the whole race, no matter what happens. Mm. And I was like, just basically protect the third position like and second position and I, I was like look you don't need to lead but i said if you do lead um don't push the pace at least that's just me just hang out at the front but like make sure you're in top three the entire time and because it was all about being top three is the auto and so that's what i told them and and i told them you know every 1500 comes down to a 400 or a 250 last 250 meters and i was like and if you are in second or third at the bell then the guy behind you literally has to run like faster than you over the final lap so you want to like give yourself the best chance of making it through so i think at the bell paul was in second and hobbs kessler was in like 11th at the bell and uh paul made it through and hobbs didn't because of, because of positioning hobbs yeah. got up to fourth or third with 100 to go hobbs was in like third or fourth but then he spent so much energy moving up from 11th to third that the last yeah. 100 he faded and got like seventh or sixth he faded Aww. again. Well, Paul just was able to maintain his positioning and, you know, gauge his energy levels. So Hobbs and I have talked about that a, a couple of times since I'm like, look, man, you gotta, yeah. Just, I know you have a great kick, but like everyone has good kicks. Like you, yeah. you gotta give yourself an edge by like basically putting yourself up there more. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, they're both in the group, the Ron's group. Uh, Hobbs is Paul is not, but I'm working out with Paul tomorrow. Ironically, oh, fun. Paul's still with Terrence. Um, but one of the things when I like Terrence and I split was, I mean, like I said, we have a really good relationship and Terrence was like, Hey, can you do me a favor? And he asked if I can leave the door open for mm. Paul or for any of his girls or, or whatever, like to, to fold in or, or to utilize me as a person, as a liaison between if, you know, whether it's housing and Flagstaff, which is now my side hustle is I do, uh, like small rental management properties. Oh, cool. And, or like if we're doing a workout, like, you know, so yeah. That's awesome. Um, all right. End of podcast. We're here. What's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Uh, oh man, it's actually kind of hard. Oh, I know. Easy. Uh, I actually really want to get a camper van. Mm. That's like a thing that I've been, I've been wanting to like build a camper van. Um, so that's, 
personally, professionally, I really want to race uh, yeah, the Oslo, like Bizlet games, if I could, um, before I, I retire. Also, the Watermaker Mile. I've never run the Watermaker Mile. Oh, I always okay. run the 3K, but uh, that is one of the things. Those two mile races are like, they're just famous. The Dream Mile is the Oslo Mile, and then um, Watermaker is Watermaker, and then they're done. So those are two professionally that I would like to do. Um, and then... Oh, I'm trying to steeplechase this year, so I'm really? going to do that one. I've never, ever steepled, and I'm going to try to steeple for oh, fun. Oh, wow. We'll see how it goes, but that's that's been on my list for a while that I've been wanting to do. Just okay. try it. I feel like if I don't try it once, then I'll be, like, mad at myself that I just never, ever did it, so. Yeah, who who are the, I obviously, I know the, all the women steeplers, but, like, sure. I, I, obviously Evan Yeager, but, like, who are the other men steeplers? Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, the idea behind it actually is so I'm I'm uh, I have two passports. I'm a dual citizen. Okay. So the idea is actually for the other country, but we'll see where that goes next year. Oh, so. thanks, mom. Right? Yeah, thanks, mom. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see because they're they're not as good in that country. They're not as strong. They the last two or three global champs they have sent uh, this like many people in the steeple like oh wow who, so who planted that cedar was that something that came from you that you thought of uh it's kind of me <laughs> but also like my family and and some friends there was like like i, I had, I had uh, said that i wanted to change and i wanted to try something different you know going into the spring and this year and one of the things was like i'm always running the 15 and i was like mm -hmm. why don't i just focus on the five and ten this year to get stronger since that seems to be where the 1500 is going mm -hmm. and then in the meantime it was like well I was running with Mason Furlick, who's in the training group and he's the steeplechaser and he made the Olympic team for the U S and he trains with very nice track club. And so I asked him, like, I was giving him crap. I'm like, well, how, how hard can it be, man? How hard can it be? You know? And then eventually I was like, well, I'll, I'll try it. And uh, Mason was funny. He was like, well, what if you're good at it? Like, I don't want you to be good. at. I don't it. want I you like, to knock well, me just... off here. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'll just run for the other country. Like, don't worry. And that was the <laughs> joke. But then after that joke was said, it was like, actually, that's not a bad idea to, to like pursue that. Yeah. But again, We'll see. I might run it and be like, ah, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. What's the best, most recent book you've read? I just read uh, Red Notice. It's about uh, a finance investor in Russia. And he goes there right after the Cold War. I'm a history nerd. Mm. And he goes there after Cold War. And he's, um, yeah, he's like investing in Russian real estate and Russian businesses. But then the oligarchs and all the uh, uh, corruption gets uh, involved where he gets... Uh, he gets a hit. This is all a true story, by the way. He gets like a hit put on his head by the uh, like Russian mob, and uh, and he's navigating it, and so he flees the country, and like it's it was super good. So, have you read Boys in the Boat? I'm assuming you have. I have not, but really? a lot of people have been telling me to to read it. Yeah, isn't that the one about the Washington uh, yeah. row team? In the, yeah, in the no, 1930s. I, I well, I was yeah. looking away because I was looking to see if it was sitting right here. Um, I'm reading it right now. I've had so many people over the years recommend that book when I asked this question. And so when you said you were a history nerd, I was like, oh my uh -huh. gosh, because right now I'm like probably a third of the way in. And it's like very sure. much, you know, just painting the picture. And, and it obviously is a wow. true story as well. You should put that on your list next. All right. Yeah. I've heard that a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll put it on my next list. That sounds good. I had a hard time starting it. Cause like my book, the font is really small and it's a pretty uh -huh. big book. And I was just like, ah, oh, this feels like a lot to get into, but right. it's so good already. So you could start audio. That helps me. Sometimes. That I know. I like, know. Just to start it. And then once like you're halfway through, this is going to sound dumb, but I'll have it on audio 
and then I'll get a quarter of the way through and then I'll be like, oh, well, I'll pick up the book now. And then I'll actually really? read it. I'm oh, like, that's it an feels idea. like I've got like a dent in it, like gets me going. Now that's an idea. No, I could totally see liking that. Cause usually with a book like that, it's like those first few chapters. That it's are the hard first few chapters. Yep. Cause then yep. once you're in, you're in. You're in. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's like a hack that I always do. That's a good <laughs> hack. That's the best tip I've ever heard. All right. Two more questions. Uh, sure. Someone fun, motivating or inspiring that you would like to have coffee, tea or cocktail with. Ooh. Um, man, I feel like this should be an easy answer every time. Know, but this right? is not. Um, I would actually love to sit down with Laird Hamilton and get coffee. You know who that is? Uh, that is. so you know picky bars yeah okay so laird hamilton just bought picky bars but he's a uh, oh he's the laird he's, food guy yes that's him yeah yeah so he's like a former pro surfer guy entrepreneur and he has like his business and he owns like these ranch um in hawaii and stuff and but he he's, he's like a hippie dude but he's also like super smart um so like that would be really cool to like to sit down and talk to him and then when he bought picky i wanted to ask i almost want to ask him like huh like where did you even hear about picky like i don't know right. I mean, maybe picky's more relevant than i small picky. yeah that's what i thought yeah so that would be really really cool or um this is just more entrepreneurial stuff i would love to sit down with like a big football manager in europe and like just be, ask him like how does this work like how yeah. do you do this yeah like that'd be really cool but those are like business my business mind things that, that i'm thinking of who's like a 1500 meter runner like a miler from back in the day that you're like or just like a distance runner from back in the day that you'd want to like talk to? Um, that's a good question. You have Nick Willis. <laughs> yeah, Nick. I'm actually good friends with Steve Scott, which is kind of funny. Uh, he lives in San Diego. And okay. so I know Steve pretty well. Um, but no, another one would be, huh, maybe, wow. I don't know why I'm stumped. I was going to say Meb, but I also, I've had coffee mm -hmm. with Meb. So I'm like, oh, Meb's like the nicest guy. So nice. Um, Everyone says Elliot. I've never met Elliot Kipchoge, but he has like, you know, high ratings. So that'd be really cool. <laughs> um, Legend. Yeah, exactly. Probably, geez, I'm thinking back like before my time, like 70s, 80s, I'm trying to think of someone, but nothing's coming to, to fruition. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe Rod, Rob Clark, is that his name? The Australian guy that like won Commonwealth Games. There's a YouTube video out there where he like, I want to say he ran like 13 flat mm. in the eighties and he went from really far out and it just is pretty cool to watch, but um, he did some cool stuff on the roads. Maybe him or Paula Radcliffe. I've actually never really. Oh, Paula, Paula. Yeah. But I, I, but I'm friends with her husband, which is kind of weird, but I've never met Paula. Really? I, cause Gary always comes to Flagstaff with training okay. camps. He always leads the camps and Gary coaches Mo and Abdi of sure. And like, Buchar, these other guys that I know, like Buchar, I used to train with. He used to live in San Diego. So I see Gary all the time, but I've never, ever met his wife, Paula. And I feel like that'd be super cool to talk to Paula. I, um, like two years into this podcast, I can't believe it was two years in. It was like 2018. I did my at first like live podcast in New York at, with the New York Roadrunners. And they were like, yeah, we're going to have you interview Paula Radcliffe. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, I guess we're doing this. And so that's what? the only time I've ever met her. But, um, it was definitely a surreal kind of experience. Cause I was like still pretty new to doing this whole podcast thing. 
Um, she yeah. was really nice though. <laughs> That's awesome. I had my like um three month old with me too. I had just had a baby and she was like holding my baby and oh. as like people were coming up to like talk to us and stuff. So um Do they do they have kids? Does she have does she have kids? I think yeah, she does. Cause I feel like okay. there was I think I think she has one. I could be totally wrong, but a little bit older, I think. I don't know. I don't know though. Sure. Yeah, I think they I have know. one. She's not- Cause I feel like I yeah. asked her a question about motherhood anyway. Yeah. I love that answer. I like to ask those que- that question because I like come up with fun ideas for people to inter- to interview in another time. Uh, that's just like not doing stuff right now, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Last, last question. What is your last message to leave with the audience? Man, some of these questions are, they're kind of hard to answer. <laughs> um, what is my last hmm, message to leave with the audience? uh yeah i guess trust your instincts your your gut so we we talk about this with racing i mean hobbs and i talk about this a lot or, or like as far as a lot of times the races that you run the best at um you're not thinking it's you're you're reacting so you know something that i think centrowitz is really good at or, or even uh you know jenny simpson is really good at and is those instinctual reactions in the races to cover moves or, or whatever um and i think it it goes uh, beyond that though so like even in life it's it's good to to trust your gut i mean that's that's why you have those feelings you know those about whatever you need to do you're like i feel like my life needs to pivot here and there and it's like it probably feels like that for a reason you know and i, I don't think it's like you know an end all be all every single time because feelings are like emotions are fleeting like they come and go so that's you know a big part of how much you should listen to it but if something keeps coming back to the surface i've got feeling then should probably listen to it. So I love that. That's so good. They are so fleeting. All right. Well, thank you for doing this. Thanks thank you Lindsay, for talking so to much. me for so long. All right. Thanks so much, everybody, for being here today. Thank you, Eric, for coming on the podcast. You all can go follow Eric on Instagram. He is A V I L A Eric with two C's. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 on Instagram at Lindsay Hine on Twitter. And I'd love to have you join our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We are putting out a awesome coaching series supported by VDOT right now. We've got two more episodes to go in the series and we're so excited about it. So make sure you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss those episodes that are dropping every Tuesday right now. And uh, check out v.v.o2.com. That is the coaching platform I use. And they also have an awesome adaptive trainer for athletes as well. You can learn all about that when you listen to those coaching episodes, though, because we share a little bit more about the program there. All right, friends, thanks for being here. And we'll see you next week on All Have Another.